because there's something happens that, you know, we sometimes make the mistake that like the donor doesn't get anything in return, but that is not true. Right. No, and there's, not. there's very powerful intangible benefits that every single donor receives every time they give a gift. Right. Uh, and they vary. You're listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast, brought to you by KevKayat.com. Kev helps nonprofit leaders deliver more impact faster and easier, so they can be mission accomplished in 40 hours a week or less. For more information, visit KevKayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results. Now... Here is the host of Nonprofit Problem Solver, Kev Kayat. Hello, Kev Kayat here. Welcome to Nonprofit Problem Solver, brought to you by Yachtme, the virtual events platform, 100% free to nonprofits, and Pod Pro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Thanks for tuning in. Just to be clear, you are actually the Nonprofit Problem Solver. As host, my job is to extract from our guests the practical, tactical expertise that you can put straight into action. This is a recording of a live event hosted on the Yachtme platform. Did I mention it's 100% free to nonprofits? Find out more at y.yacht.me. That's W-H-Y dot Y-O-T dot M-E. Join me on these live events every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Register at yacht.me or nonprofitproblemsolver.com. You can find me, Kev Kayat, at kevkayat.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. Join the Nonprofit Problem Solver Club on Clubhouse and the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group to get all the latest practical, tactical advice on being the best nonprofit entrepreneur you can be. And check out my coaching programs at nonprofitentrepreneur.com. Today's episode is about the totally irrational and emotionally driven decision to donate. The question isn't, why do people give? But why do they give to your nonprofit? Or why should they? Founder and Chief Innovation and Optimization Officer at Next After, Tim Kachuriak, has run hundreds, if not thousands, of experiments to see what works in digital marketing for nonprofits. And he's found lots of ways that we make giving harder, that's right, harder than it needs to be. Nonprofits consistently make the same mistakes online. Listen out for some simple steps you can make to vastly improve your online giving. It's Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast. This is episode 37, and I'm joined by Tim Kachuriak. Uh, welcome, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Great. I've been looking forward to this conversation for uh, some time. Uh, so we're going to be talking about what prompts people to give. Let me just start off by uh, thanking Yachtme as uh, my sponsor, as well as uh, PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. And uh, what we are now is in the live main event uh, session, uh, which happens on the Yachtme virtual event uh, platform, which is 100% free to nonprofits. And uh, if there are folks in the chat, we'll try and pick up those comments as we go. And uh, there may be an opportunity afterwards, once we've done this sort of 40, 45 minutes live, uh, to um, have people around tables uh, at the end, which is a great feature if you are interested in using Yachtme for your virtual event. So, Tim... Tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and uh, give us an introduction and where people can find you online and an orientation to you. 
Well, great. Yeah. So my name is Tim Kaczuriak, and I'm the founder and chief innovation and optimization officer for Next After. And Next After is really three things. We are a fundraising research lab. We're a consultancy agency, uh, and we are a training institute. Uh, and if you like, I can explain briefly those three different pieces and yeah, kind of how they fit do. together. Okay. Yeah. That'd be so great. Um, inside of our fundraising research lab, we focus on doing really two types of research. The first type is what I refer to more as forensic research. And basically what we're doing is we're going and we're trying to analyze large amounts of data across the nonprofit sector. And what we're looking for in the data is patterns that lead to opportunities to unlock a greater digital fundraising performance. So we're hyper, 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 hyper focused around digital fundraising. We believe like many that it's, it's the future of fundraising, but it's still underdeveloped opportunity within our space. The, the challenge, frankly, that we've run into in our research is that the kind of data we're most interested in analyzing either does not exist or it's not readily accessible. And that's because what we're most interested in is trying to experience the charity, the nonprofit, the NGO from the donor's point of view. And so mm -hmm. we found the best way to get that perspective is simply by becoming donors ourselves. And so what we'll do is, uh, you know, about four or five times a year, we'll launch one of these major mystery donor studies where we'll go out and subscribe to hundreds of different nonprofit organizations at the same time. We'll monitor everything that they send to us, every email, every text message, every voicemail. We've got boxes of direct mail piled to the ceiling. We <laughs> analyze each piece of correspondence and then we wait for the organization's um, you know, to invite us to become a financial partner by making a gift. And when they do that, we go online to their website and we'll give a donation uh, as small as $20, as large as $5,000, really depending on the study and what we're trying to analyze. And then we continue to monitor and document that new donor journey that we receive as a financial contributor. And it's, it's fascinating, Kev. I mean, it's just like, yeah. it's just, just, it's so wildly varying from organization to organization. So it's, yeah, it's I really can geek out on the data here. I'll, I'll try, I'll try not to. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. Okay. So I'm, I've already can think of a couple of uh, routes we can follow when we, you know, we get to this heart of this question, what prompts people mm. to yeah, so that's the forensic research. You said there were two two types of research. That yeah, and so so the other type is you know we take all a lot of the things that we learn and a lot of things that frankly that we see other organizations do, and then we bring it over to the other part part of our research lab, which is really focused on applied research, where we're basically using the web as not just a channel of communication, but as a as a platform, as a, as a living laboratory where we can run mm -hmm. rigorous scientific experiments to try to understand what works and what doesn't work. So I think to date, we've documented like over 2,800 different online fundraising experiments across a whole range of different organizations. And we're finding that a lot of our long held kind of best practices, like tried and true uh, approaches actually don't work. <laughs> and so that's kind of what we're really you know, trying to discover, <laughs> like what moves and inspires people to give. And oftentimes it's very counterintuitive. Well, yeah. that that's fascinating. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting into that. But I said I, I invited you at, at your request to go through all the elements of Next Doctors. So I will I will um, <laughs> I'll try and keep my curiosity in check and let you discuss. Well, the consultancy I'll be very brief. So 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 the the lab is really kind of like our opportunity to learn and discover. You know, both from like a market study type of standpoint of actually going out and becoming donors, but then also on the testing side to try to figure out what works. So then we take everything we learn in the lab. And we bring it over to the two other parts of our company. Uh, the second is the Next After Institute, which is the training um, and equipping arm of Next After. Uh, we develop a whole bunch of different resources for nonprofits. Most of them are free. 
for people that want to go really, really, really mm-hmm. deep. Uh, we have eight different certification courses that you or your staff can take to be able to become, you know, certified in online fundraising optimization, whether that's email fundraising optimization, landing page optimization, turning Facebook likes into donors, what have you. So that's the training side. We also host an annual conference every year called the Nonprofit Innovation Optimization Summit, uh, where we bring in digital marketing leaders from all over the world to come and pour into our nonprofit community for about two days. Uh, and that's kind of like the consultancy side, or, and then the, the last piece is the consultancy side. So the other way that we use all of our research is to really inform the work we, we do with our clients. Uh, we've got about 36, 37, um, larger nonprofits that we work mm-hmm. with to basically function as their digital agency. So that's, that's next. Hour. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. And so if people are interested in the, uh, the training free or otherwise, where, where would they go? Is it just, um, nextafter.com? Yep. Nextafter.com. Everything's there. Um, our entire library of all of our experiments are available there. So you can go in and you can review them and search them and, and just, uh, you know, learn alongside of us. Wow. Okay. That is, that, that, that is really interesting. So 2,800 experiments, <laughs> um, and some, some counterintuitive, uh, findings Now we don't have to start there. <laughs> uh, but uh, I feel that's a, a really good entry point into, um, you know, what prompts people to give, what it is that you are, you are uh, trying to find out. I mean, I'd be interested if we get to it to, to understand a bit about how you set up the experiments and the way you're thinking about sure. approaching that question. Because I think that in itself uh, it, you know, is, is an interesting line of, of inquiry about how you're getting to using uh, the digital space to uh, investigate what is for many people an emotional <laughs> interaction with nonprofits that they care about. And very irrational, I might add, right? Like giving is a very <laughs> irrational behavior. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, because uh, so you know, when I'm listening, I'm hearing uh, a lot around the, the digital space and it seems like, as you see, you know, when you, when you do your mystery events that you're getting a huge amount of detail uh, uh, you know, clicks and 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 uh, what you might call the sort of mechanical interaction of the donor journey. But mm-hmm. I wonder how you can imitate the again that emotional perspective of someone who's uh, you know possibly come across uh, a, a an a, a, an organization in an ad hoc way, but also someone who might be interacting with an organization or a cause or a purpose or a mission that they feel passionately about it. That must be difficult to, to hypothesize and and try and recreate. Yeah. I mean, you're actually, um, I mean, you're articulating the, the, the precise thing that we try to test, um, you know, through our research, which is like, how do we actually communicate a more effective value proposition? So what we found out of all of our testing, all of our research, yes, there's little low-hanging fruit things you could do. You can make the giving experience easier and take some of the friction out of the process. You can make donors feel more safe or more secure or that the, the money's going to go to the right place. All that stuff is what I consider to be more like hygiene kind of stuff. And then you can kind of get into like behavioral economics, like testing things like reciprocity. Like I give you something, you give me something back. Or you know, testing this idea of like commitment building, getting people to take small moves that moves them towards a predisposition to wanting to actually give their money. Um, but the really interesting things are, are when we were actually like testing, like you said, the emotional kind of like the, the, uh, the irrational elements of giving. Uh, and this is kind of an area that we've, we've moved into over time. Um, and right now we've, we've partnered with um, 
the Institute for Sustainable Philanthropy in the UK, uh, Dr. Adrian uh, Sargent and Dr. Jen Chang. Uh, and we actually appointed a Next After fellow that works there. And they're trying to take all of the theoretical and academic work they're doing in the area of uh, philanthropic psychology and turn that into things that we can actually go test with our research partners. So that's been really, really exciting to see some of that. Yeah, because that's what that so that's where I guess I was coming from with it. You know, as I said, I was looking forward to this conversation from a behavioral psychological perspective. And then, you know, here at 2800 hypothetical, you know, hy hypotheses tested, you know, through these massive uh uh, the mystery things I thought, oh, that sounds almost mechanical <laughs> as opposed to psychological. Um, and, and, and yeah, so, so you use the term hygiene, which I think is a fantastically useful term for, for, for reducing the number of clicks to, to, mm. to make a gift, for example, uh, or, or the, the, the type of communication or speed with which a nonprofit replies or clarifies, uh, you know, some, some, some questions potential donors might have. Um, but it sounds like you, you are approaching it from this behavioral psycho psychological perspective. That's correct. That's correct. But I will tell you that there is a lot of low-hanging fruit <laughs> uh, in terms of nonprofit online giving experiences. So if, if, if you like, I can give you kind of a quick, a couple quick just examples of yeah. things. I mean, there's so very, much, there's so, yeah, it would be really useful because uh, you know, a lot of people who listen to the podcast are executive directors, directors of development, and occasionally board members who, you know, who want to do, who want to uh, follow up what they hear with an action. So any okay, clear excellent. actions we can do so, is take so, away. So let me, give you, yeah, let me give you a couple uh, quick findings from, for example, from some of our market research study and how that's translated into things that we've tested and, and found to be effective at solving some of those problems. So the first thing is, about uh, three or four years ago, we did a mystery donor study called Why Should I Give to You, which was the Nonprofit Value Proposition Index Study. We went to 127 organizations, and we simply asked them to answer what we believe is the telling value proposition question. The question is this, if I am your ideal donor, why should I give to you rather than some other organization or not at all? We contacted them four different ways. We went to their website and we called the 1-800 number. We called them on the phone and said, hey, I was thinking of giving a gift. Can you tell me why should I give a gift to you rather than someone else or not at all? We listened. We transcribed their responses. We also wow. sent that same question via the contact us form on the website. So email was the second channel. We messaged them on Facebook, uh, direct messaged them on Facebook. And then we finally looked at what their donation page had to say in terms of actually what it communicated to answer that question. Here's a couple of things we found that were pretty um, troubling. First of all, of the I organizations, <laughs> I know, I know. Just you have, you have to say yeah, yeah, we four different ways, the same question. Um, I mean, this is. <laughs> you know where I'm going. Okay. So, four so, different so answers. The first, yeah. the first thing we found is the emails that we sent to these organizations, a third of those, of those emails were never replied to, right? right. Okay. A third. So, 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 you know, when I say hygiene, that means like you need to answer people when they ask you questions, especially if they're a donor intent type of question, like, hey, I'm thinking of giving a gift. Why you? Right. Yeah. So that was the first thing. Right. Uh, a third of organizations didn't really respond when we uh, messaged them on, on Facebook as well. So, again, just simple hygiene. And this is probably sometimes due to like, you know. Um, maybe nobody has tested that in a while in the organization. They just don't know. Maybe something's broken. It should be going to this person or that person's not there anymore, or whatever. But like, that's yeah. something that can be addressed. So one simple thing that everybody on this call can do is go fill out the contact us form on your website 
and see what happens. Like see who responds right. or actually have somebody that's one of your friends or colleagues that's not inside your organization go do that and just, you know, kind of get a feel for do they respond in, in a timely fashion. So that's one piece. I mean, but it's also just as, you know, as a matter of, I mean, it's also hygiene. It's just making sure that those information flows actually work. Those channels are still operating as you in, you in, you um, anticipate they would. Precisely. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So when we did get responses back from organizations, um, they weren't great. So like one email, like, you know, in particular that I use as an example, it's like, it's like, hey, thank you for your, your question. Uh, we don't ask for donations, so that is completely up to you. But if you would like to give a donation, you can do so by going to our website or calling us at our 800 number between these hours. Thanks so much. See you later. Bye. Right? Canned so, responses? Yeah. Well, what's that? Canned, I don't know. If they're, no, it was not canned because they responded or, to the question. They said, you know, um, that's a great question. Why, why should you give? But, you know, we don't ask. So you just decide for yourself. And it was like, I'm a donor. I'm, re- I'm a potential donor. I'm reaching out. I'm asking for your help. And you're not, you're not willing to enable to help me. So th- there was things like that, uh, like one on social media was like, hey, thanks so much. You can go and give a gift on our website. Here's the, here's the web address. You know, leave me alone. I'm playing Candy Crush. I mean, it's just kind of like very, you know, un-customer service focus, which is kind of, you know, disturbing. Uh, and then just even things in the giving process, like as you go through, like this is especially challenging with uh, higher education institutions like colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to give a gift, there's eight bazillion different gift designations. You know what I mean? And I use this example of like a very, very well-known, um, you know, very large higher education institution. And they had like 120 different gift designations. Wow. And I'm scrolling through this list. And I'm like, how could any human possibly make that decision? That's the challenge. As the donor is going through the process of completing a transaction, there's a series of questions that they have to answer. And many times they're not prepared to answer that, right? And then they right. kind of say, well, I need to go talk to my wife or my spouse or my partner. And they, they never come back. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's over. It's game over, right? So it's like, yeah. it's just, it's little things like that that I think make a big, 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 big difference. So um, that, that, those are some things. But anyway, that's one exercise you can do is that is, is kind of like send an email to yourself or call your, you know, your own 1-800 number. The second thing you could do is go give a donation to yourself online. Go through the process. Count how many clicks you can, you know, it takes you to actually complete yeah. the donation. And actually, yeah. we have a friction self-assessment on our website, which if you pull up one window and have your website and pull up this thing on the other, it'll ask you questions as you go through the process. And you can self-assess how much friction you have in the giving process. Well, there are so many organizations uh, clients I know that, you know, I talk about uh, th- this, this point of the donor journey, you know, should be as easy and simple and direct. Don't crowd it with lots of other questions because if someone's actually going to give to you and you're in contact with them, you can, you've got lots of opportunities to ask them about their dog's name, uh, you know, at some other point in the future, this isn't the time uh, to do it, but uh, an actual self-assessment online is that, that, that is a great resource, yes. assuming it works well. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, it's great. And like, um, I think we've had like uh, 600 or so people that have taken it. So we're actually using that data as benchmark data that other people can see how other organizations kind of scored themselves. So it'll it'll be a helpful tool, I think, especially as more and more people use it. So so that's kind of another exercise. Go through and kind of assess the friction you're giving process. But then maybe what a great exercise would be would to, to do this with your board or with your staff or your your senior leadership and just ask the question. 
if I'm the ideal donor, why should somebody give to us rather than some other organization or not at all? And listen to how everybody answers that question. What you may be surprised is that your organization speaks with forked tongue. We found this through our study is that like people had different answers depending on which different channel we contacted them through. So we got a different answer on email than we got on social media, than we got on their website, than we got on the telephone. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, we're not on the same page as an organization, right? And if, if, if we're confused <laughs> as, the, as the senior leadership team or the staff of the organization, what do you think the donors are? They're, I mean, they're, they're, right. they're completely confused. So that would be a, a fun thing to do. And then also, the, and this is a real practical thing that we found to be effective almost 100% of the time. If you go to your donation page, if you notice most nonprofit donation pages are very simple, very clean. Very mm-hmm. little copy, right? And you know, usually the donation form is pushed right up to the top because we want it to be above the fold because that's something we learned through like the days of newspaper where things actually, there was a fold, right? Right. Um, right. Well, we found that actually all that is not helpful to the giving process because if you look across industry benchmarks, less than 25% of the people that click the donate button on your website actually complete a transaction. Well, why is that? Well, because once they kind of get to that page, they're not fully uh, decided whether or not they're going to give. Maybe they're not fully decided how much they're going to give. That's right. It's so easy to get to that page, isn't it? It is. People are getting to it. It's almost like the psychology of the real estate on the front page. That's right. Drives them to the donate page almost prematurely. Is that what you're saying? That's right. And so what we find is take take this kind of value proposition you work. You, you work you do with your team where you kind of like talk about like, what are the reasons why we should give and kind of get like your central thesis for that. And then literally just re- put that copy on your donation page. We've tested that. We found like 200, 300, 400% increase in donations simply by adding more copy that articulates the reasons why somebody should give to you now. Simple things. Wow. wow. So that, that's, that's really, so if, if you, so I guess if the, if the, board and and leaders of the of the nonprofit are giving you different answers to that question there's a a little piece of work there to do to to align that's uh, right folks on, on, on why the ideal donor should give to you mm-hmm. uh once that work is done that copy goes right on your donate page mm-hmm. above the fold <laughs> above the donate button itself that's right so people can read it yes when they navigate to that page uh uh not prematurely <laughs> exactly right uh, I think Howard Gossage, he was like this old ad guy from the 50s. He said, you know, like people don't read advertising. They read what's interesting to them. Sometimes that's advertising. So to put a modern spin on that, like people don't read donation pages. They read what's interesting to them. Sometimes that's your donation page, right? If they're there and they've arrived at that place, they're interested. And people need more copy to be able to understand. What we're trying to do is get the light bulb to go off inside the donor's mind because we have all this institutional knowledge. We see our organization through a completely different lens. We live in it every day. Yeah. The donor right, may right. be first, it may be their first time. So, yeah. Right. That's, uh, that's fascinating. I think that's, uh, that's a really, really great, uh, simple thing for folks to do. Not necessarily easy, but simple, which is clarify exactly why your ideal donor should, should give to you and make sure that is prominently displayed on your donation page. Um, and this is after, of course, all you've done, done these, these self-assessments and these, these tests to make sure it works. I, I love that. I think that's a fantastic takeaway, Tim. Uh, and and we're, and we're only twenty five minutes in. This is great. We've got <laughs> we've got more we got more work to do. We sure do. We sure do. 
Yeah. So, 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 is there something that you can? So, is it? Is it? Let me answer this, this. Rephrase the question here. Is this issue about having that copy on the donation page? Is it merely one of insufficient information, or is it one of we uh, might say insufficient persuasion uh, on, to, um, on the person of the donor? Have you have you been able to unlock the psychology behind that, or is it just a question of sort of big data testing? No, no, I think it's a little bit of both, right? So it, it is okay. this lack of information. So, so you know, what we like to say, like I use the, are you, are you familiar with the concept of the funnel, right? Like the marketing yeah, yeah. funnel where you pour, right. you know, traffic mm -hmm. in, you're trying to move people consistently from interest involvement to investment, right? So we yeah. kind of flip that upside down. We say, look, people aren't falling into your funnel, they're falling out. Gravity, meaning the organic forces in the marketplace do not naturally lead people to want to give away their money. So that funnel analogy, however helpful, is actually distorting reality. We've got to flip it upside down. And so we call it like the donor mountain today. And okay. I think this is like a great visual. I wish I could have had slides queued up because I could like walk you through this. But like we say, look. Well, we're, turning, you know, we're turning the funnel, which is an, an upside down triangle, to a right side up triangle, basically. Right. Yeah, to a mountain, right? And so like yeah. my goal is to get my potential donor to the top of the mountain where they make the macro decision of saying, yes, I want to give, Right. The problem is they start down here at base camp. And in order to get them to the peak of the mountain where they make the macro decision of saying, yes, I want to give or no, I do not want to give, there's a series of micro decisions that they make along the way. So for example, let's say I send you an email. The goal of the email is to get you to go online to my website and make a donation. The first micro decision that you have to make is, do I want to open this email? Right. And you have to make a decision. Do I want to read it? Do I keep reading? Do I click? And if I click, I get to a landing page. And there's a series of micro decisions the donor makes as they navigate the content, the copy, the images, the video, whatever's on the page. And if the content's compelling, if it's inspiring, if it moves them in some way, they might click the donate button. But there's right. still yet a series of decisions, even as they get to that final stage of completing the transaction. Uh, do I want to make a one-time gift or recurring gift? How much do I want to give? Do I want to designate my gift in some way? How do I want to pay? These are all decisions even at that last stage. And so the question for us is like, well, where are we in this whole kind of like donor mountain analogy? Well, we're at the top of the mountain, right? We've got the map. We know the way. <laughs> we have a completely different perspective of the impact that our organization is delivering in the field in the valley below, but the donor can't see it because their vision is obscured by what's directly in front of them. And oftentimes what's in front of them are things that we control. It's our emails. It's our messaging. It's our social media posts. It's all these things that we control. So we, as fundraisers, as marketers, as nonprofit leaders, need to develop empathy for the perspective of our donors. Now, what's interesting, we did a study and we realized that people that work in the nonprofit space have actually highly elevated levels of empathy. And I think that's partly what draws many of us to this space. We really do care and can actually put ourselves in the shoes of other people and like we want to help, right? But sometimes mm -hmm. we neglect that perspective, that same type of skill of applying empathy to our donor. And so we need to kind of like almost kind of descend the mountain and we need to help them overcome these natural forces that may be, you know, pulling them away from taking that next step in the journey. And the main way that we found to do that is really through a powerful articulation of your organization's value proposition. So we spent a lot of time really researching and trying to decode that. Right. And so, so it sounds uh, like, and I, and I, I, I can uh, uh, reference so many examples where people are, are really focused on the, 
the purpose of their nonprofit as you would expect them to be. Uh, and of course, the key difference between a for-profit organization is if uh, if I'm if I'm selling you a service, then you're giving me money back effectively, effectively along the same channel path. Right. I provide you a service, you provide mm-hmm. me money. Yep. Whereas with nonprofits, we have to run separate channel paths where I'm <laughs> providing a service to someone who typically doesn't pay for it, and I have That's to get right. money from somewhere else. So I'm running these two simultaneously. It's a lot of extra work, but it's easy to neglect the the money in path, or if you're large enough, you delegate it to specialists. That's right. Um, and and uh, it, 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 it's, it, then we, you know, we get a lot of uh, sort of customer style um, analogies that sometimes mm-hmm. work and sometimes don't. Do you, do you feel that it, in large, largely that they actually hold that if you're advising a director of development to think of their donors as customers or as potentially as investors, or is there really no direct for sort of for-profit analogy and we should treat them you know, uniquely as donors. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I sometimes do. Yeah. So, so like, you know, like the donor <laughs> is the customer and the impact that we deliver is the product. Right. So, you know, um, Peter Drucker said that there's, there's, you know, any business really has one function, right. Which is to create a customer or in the case of a nonprofit, he says it's to create a donor. So every single organization has two essential functions. There's marketing and innovation. So innovation means how do we do our program better? Like how do we innovate and continue to deliver greater impact? Because that enhances the perceived value of our product, which is the impact. It's our core business. That's right. right? It's our core business. It is the core business. And then I can go take that and focus on marketing that to more and more people to go and increase the amounts of, in our case, impact for the case of a for-profit company profit, Right. Right. So I do sometimes do that. There are like interesting parallels, but they're also very different, you know, big differences. Like, for example, this is one thing that I think is actually really an interesting competitive advantage that nonprofits have over for-profits. We don't have a fixed price. Think about that for a second, right? Yeah, like we, we benefit don't. from price elasticity. Our customers determine the price. Our donors decide how, they're, or how much they're going to give. And what we found through our research, one of the number one things actually influences that is how forcefully we can communicate the value proposition. So if I can communicate a value proposition stronger, what's that? <laughs> the I'm worthiness. The, 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 the worthiness in the donor's eyes. That's right. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So if I can communicate a more effective value proposition, not only do I get more people to buy, in our case, give, right? But they actually like give more. They give larger dollar amounts because they understand maybe for the first time the, the tremendous impact they can have through the organization, right, that they're giving to, which is really awesome. Yeah, 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 that is. I mean, because I think what you're, what you're using in a sense is this price or donation elasticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like yeah. we're like really seriously geeking out with jargon here, but, <laughs> no. but you know what I mean, right? So oh, of course. In terms of uh, elasticity um, is, is that that's in a sense a proxy for the emotive, Mm-hmm. Uh, connection that a potential donor is making. I mean, all things being equal, I mean, the, the people's means and their their ability, their disposable income, obviously has an impact on their uh, ability to donate as well. That's right. That's exactly right. And you know, and I, you know, that's a sort of I suppose outside the, the the scope of what you're you're testing in, in a sense. Well, yeah, yes and no. So, so I. I mean, you've probably been looking at all the stats that I've been looking at, right? So like the number of kind of giving households is going down. 
the total amount given from those households is actually going up. Why right. is that, right? Is it is it, you know, partly to because of like the, you know, the the wage, you know, diversity in in our world today? Yes. inequality, yeah. Right? I mean, but but is it yeah. also but I also think it's actually like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because you know what we've been doing in the nonprofit sector for the last like 20 years trying to become more efficient, right? What are we doing? So mm-hmm. so we're getting like all these like data, you know, analysts and everything and they're saying don't mail these people, they can't give enough mail these people. They have, the, right. they have the higher wealth score. They've got the higher capacity to give more. And we do it in the name of trying to like, you know, get more money for the cause. But I also think that we're actually doing a disservice because, you know, my cause is like unleashing the most generous generation in the history of the world. Well, if we actually leave behind the people, the widows might, the people that can't give big amounts, but they can participate through their giving. I don't think that that's great. I don't think that's great for philanthropy. Right. I don't think that's great for nonprofits. I don't think that's great for our world. So. Right. So it'd be better in some respects, in some respects, you'd want to have um, a larger number of donors with a lower average give donation. Democratize giving, right? Like just make it open and available for everybody because there's something happens that, you know, we sometimes make the mistake that like the donor doesn't get anything in return, but that is not true. Right. And there's, there's very powerful intangible benefits that every single donor receives every time they give a gift. Right. Uh, and they vary. And these are like the, the underlying motivations. I give uh, as a sense of belonging. I give out of like frustration of a change I want to see made in the world. I give because of my, my faith tradition or what I believe. You know what I mean? There's all these different underlying motivations why somebody give. And when they actually do go through with that process, their well-being can be impacted positively. Right. Right. I mean, there's all right. kinds of studies that show like the people that are more generous actually like <laughs> live more happy, fulfilled lives. Right. Like who right. wouldn't want that for everybody? Right. Right. So right. anyway, that, that's why I think that digital can, in fact, lower the playing field in, in some way, you know, because you don't have to have hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to go put a billion of pieces of mail in the mailbox. Right. You can right. actually like run Facebook ads for a hundred dollars and be able to reach people that way. And that's a big you know, thing that I think has been really good for, for digital philanthropy. So have you been able to distinguish, um, and this, this is somewhat artificial, but uh, a distinction between giving and, and this idea of giving back, you mm. know, the sort of, uh, sort of older, wealthier, whiter, more male donor or, or you know someone who gives on a, who you know sits on a board even uh, and they you know, they say oh, their motivation is you know I've reached high in my life or I'd like to give back mm-hmm. and as opposed to someone who is you know at any other stage of life or in any other circumstance just giving uh, is uh, there so those patterns emerged at all um it's funny you mention that we're actually run, running a getting ready to run an experiment that actually um, makes an appeal so so when I ask the value proposition question to people why should I give a gift to your organization rather than someone else? There's that last part or not at all, right? And nobody okay. ever addresses that question, that part of the question. So we're actually running a test that's kind of like, it's a first person kind of like donor's point of view. It's like, you know, um, you know, what was it all worth, right? Like, you know, I've lived my life and did all the things that everyone told me to do, go build a business, you know, save money, make wealth and all that stuff. And here I am sitting at the end of my life, like a lot more time to think about things. And I've missed so many opportunities to actually... I feel like I'm going to cry even just saying this. So like, you know, like missing, I've missed these opportunities to actually go and do something significant, right? Because I was so focused on success. Um, and I, I mean, that's like 
you know, that, that's something I think for a lot of people, they struggle with that. And, and so, you know, uh, if we can actually reach people with that message earlier, you know what I mean? And like, kind of like say, look, don't make the same mistakes as I did because it's not, that's not what it's all about. Right. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can actually like, you know, do to help other people. That's how you're right. really, truly going to affect personal happiness. Right. So we're At testing that. I'd love to come back and share with you the results of that test. Cause I'm fascinated by it myself. Uh, maybe yeah, I'm partial, but I received them. Um, <laughs> in uh, yeah, no, I look forward to that. The um, but younger professionals, uh, and I think you know a lot of organizations, particularly in you know metropolitan areas, where you get sort of young you know young professionals uh, joining designated young professional boards or or joining boards at a lot earlier uh, stage in their career than some of their colleagues had, uh, are much more interested in a participative form of yep. philanthropy. Yep. Uh, rather than I'm gonna I'm gonna hoard it for now, um, you know, get my kids to college, for example, and then once they're once they're through and I paid for the weddings, then I'm gonna start to give it away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I to cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. You know what I mean? Like it's like I I I don't know. I don't know about that. Like because it's like then all of a sudden it's like oh great now I've got all this money in the DAF, but like I get more excited about like kind of growing that bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden like they die. You know what I mean? And it's all gone. And it's, they've never had the opportunity to experience the just un, unleashing of that generosity. Right. Because again, it, you know, you, <laughs> I mean, we're going to so many different directions here, like in this conversation, but like you're, you're hitting a lot of my hot buttons, but like, even, you know, like, like DAFs, for Welcome example, to the nonprofit like, problem solver podcast. It's a, I have a tendency to do that. Just to jump all over the place. But, yeah. I mean, you're, uh, yeah. You're getting, curiosity no, I mean, you're getting me all hot and bothered about some of these things. Cause it's like, <laughs> I get, you know, I, I mean, Look at all the money that sits in DAFs, right? Like we donor need advised funds. Yeah, yeah, donor advised. Yeah, they just they sit there, and it you know what I mean. It's like hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. It's just kind of like sitting there because you know there's no really incentive to let it go. You know what I mean, right? Because I got my tax right. deduction. I you know it's 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 in there, and then I'm waiting for this like apocalyptic great opportunity to come by to someday one day open up the coffers, and I just I'm like I don't I don't know, and like there's some things that are changing around that where they're actually like, you know, certain amounts have to be like liquidated or whatever every year or whatever, but it's yeah, different than yeah. normal foundations, but I don't know. We're certainly not going to wait for the tax code to drive our philanthropy, right? <laughs> no, no, no. But I also think that it's like the people that are going and, um, you know, kind of like trying to build the, their, their DAF, you know, business. I mean, they're like, people that know how to do cool things with money, right? Lawyers and bankers, right? They're yeah, not like yeah. people that are like philanthropists. They're not people that are social good people. They're people that are like, you know, on Wall Street, marketers, this, is a, this is a different account that I can have you, I can go manage your money in, right? So it's like, right. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think the, you know, the, 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 the broader questions are, are, are also important. Um, let me ask you, um, this, is, this is yet another uh Direction, but one thing I, I wanted to um, to to get at was the, uh, two things. One, this sort of temporal or, or or time with regard to um, what prompts people to give. How much of that motivation or uh, return is immediate, and how much is over time? In other words, do 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 people? Are people more motivated by the act of giving and the, the the warm fuzzy feeling it gives them, or are they? Um, is that sustained by the impact they see in the organization? Because we hear a lot of this conversation around mm -hmm. the 
money's gone to 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 um uh to to directly to program and we're minimizing the overhead and and all this sort of stuff we're not wasting the money um how much of that is really bound up in in donors motivation is it more immediate or is it really the impact um i i think it's it's a little bit of both, right? So like, you know, that, that initial kind of like dopamine hit when you give a donation, um, I mean, that's a great powerful feeling. And, you know, the more that you kind of hit the feed, feed pellet button, you know, <laughs> the, the more you get that feeling, right? So yeah. I think that there's, there's part of it, like we're giving honestly can be kind of like addictive, you know, in a way, um, and, and, and in a good way, I think. Um, but then it's also about like, you know, the stewardship angle of all that, right? So if I'm not doing a good job of, building a relationship with my donor, um, continuing to, um, you know, earn the trust that they've instilled in me through their gifts by reporting back on the impact of things or, you know, even just kind of like asking them how they're doing. I mean, like we do a lot of emails that don't have any sort of ask or anything. They're just a simple response generator where it's just like, Hey, I, I would just, how are you doing today? You know what I mean? Like something's as simple as that. Well, what's interesting about that is the, is the, is Although it's digital, it's mm-hmm. a relationship because of the engagement. 100%. I mean, so many of the, uh, we, we won't ask in this communication is a lot of verbiage, you know, a lot of pushing out information. You know, these are all the things that we've been up to, um, but don't worry, we're not asking for it. We're just going to tell you all this stuff, but it, it's sort of, you know, you, you, if you, if you, if the donor actually reads through all that, they get to the end and they're like, wow, that's, that's great. That's a lot of stuff, but I'm not necessarily engaging with it beyond that because I'm, right. I've not been asked to, uh, as though the only form of engagement I have is my wallet, as yeah. opposed to my opinion, my thoughts, or do you exactly. want to know about me? As you said, how are you? I mean, there's the old adage that like, if you want to be interesting, don't try to be interesting, try to be interested, right? You know what I mean? Like when you actually well, start listening. To, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah listening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The great um, conversationists but, are better listeners. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so like, I mean, one of the big macro findings from all of our research is simple but profound. People give to people. They don't give to email machines. They don't give to websites. They don't even give to organizations. People give to people. And the more that you can actually humanize your communication and create a seemingly one-to-one relationship with every single donor, even though it's through digital, the more effective you'll be. Right. Uh, no, I think that I think that's 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 great. It's shown in so many different ways, um, uh, and, and 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 folks increasingly are particularly. I think COVID sort of pushed the pushed the uh, limits here on this a little bit. Is that we accept a digital version of our relationships now, where we're much more comfortable, right. um, you know, working across time zones and 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 even asynchronously. Like I can leave a, a message for somebody and. And, you know, and not necessarily have it live and in the moment. Um, and I think people are much more comfortable with that. And, and if, as you said, if you can humanize it to the point of, uh, of individualized relationship, then, then, then that's not far off uh, the sort of real human, human contact. That's right. Hey, so can I reward your listeners who have hung on with us this, this amount of time with like two other couple really quick things that Please. they can do to try to increase their results? Okay. So this whole idea of people give to people, um, one of the things we've been testing over and over and over again, and it continues to make huge impact in terms of email fundraising. Um, if you look at most nonprofit fundraising emails, uh, they're highly designed. They've got HTML and graphics and images and big clickable buttons. Uh, if you're a large enough organization, maybe the copy sounds like it's written from a professional copywriter because it usually in fact is. 
And the problem is, is when your potential donor sees that in their inbox, all they see is somebody trying to market to them. And yeah. people don't want to be marketed to, they want to be communicated with. And right. so one of the things we've tested with dozens of organizations, we've done it in different countries, sending more of a plain text email, scrape away all the, the images, the graphics, the buttons, the marketing veneer, and even rewrite the email so it sounds like it's coming from one friend to another friend, 300, 400, 500% increase in donations through email by doing that one simple act. Right. So do you strategically place plants in like spelling mistakes and, and you know, <laughs> no, we, don't do that. <laughs> we have tested, you know, like if you're going to hyperlink something in the email, yeah. um, instead of like highlighting the text and selecting it and making it like, you know, what's called anchor text, which is, you know, the way that we do most of our calls action, simply right. copy and paste the naked URL and drop it in there. We've actually tested that 10% increase <laughs> by that one simple activity. So little right, things like it that looks like, it looks like it. So in other words, you want yeah. to amateur it to a certain extent you do you know you don't people it doesn't it shouldn't look like professional marketing that's right and the email should not come from your organization it should come from a person, person. at your organization yeah okay and test yeah. test sending different from different people i mean if you always send things from the you know the the executive director or the president of the organization try sending it from like uh you know maybe somebody lower in the organization structure we found that sometimes that is like a more believable sender and people are like, oh, this might be a really real person. I'm going to respond to them. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Okay, yeah. last, last question I want to ask. Uh, but I could have started with this, but I was throw this at, throw this at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, often I speak to, to people um, in terms of you know, generating support for their nonprofit and looking at um, donations of people who give, but we often restrict that in our minds to money. But it's also important that people give time mm. and people give expertise. Mm. And, and so, you know, you've, you've got to get a balance of all those. Have you looked at any of the psychology, what prompts people to give time as opposed to money or time in addition to money or to volunteer at a board level, whether particularly a working board, for, for example, like if you were on a, a board, I imagine you're giving them a lot of, <laughs> uh, you know, pro bono digital marketing advice and that sort right. of thing. Yeah, there have been some studies done, um, you know, (laughs) fortunately or unfortunately, like we we don't, um, a lot of our research partners are really focused on like, how do I, you know, get money from the internet, not like volunteers. So uh, we don't have an opportunity to do a lot of experimentation with that. But I have done some stuff like even early and next after days uh, with like this global volunteer network. And they're trying to get more people basically to volunteer their time. Um, And a lot of the same principles still hold true. So one of the things I identified as I analyzed their kind of, you know, mountain or funnel, if you will, is that they were trying to get people to make too much of a complex decision too early in the process. And by doing so, they lost a lot of people that would have completed the application, which is the first step of the process. Um, if, if they didn't have to go and like decide, you know, am I going to go to Thailand or am I going to go to, you know, Nepal, you know what I mean? Like it was like too big of like a decision too early in the right. journey. So like kind of moving that stuff to like a later stage of the process can be helpful. So it's, it's the same principles of removing friction, you know, removing anxiety, just thinking through the different kind of like mental conversation that somebody's having as they're going through the process of, you know, signing up for stuff. So that's interesting. Cause I've, I've also heard the opposite. So what are you basically saying there is sort of slow down the conversation, mm-hmm. 
understand as, and I'll use your term from before the micro decisions. That's right. The, the step-by-step. So understand the journey in a more granular way. Mm-hmm. However, I've also heard the uh, donor solicitation, and this would apply to volunteers as well, uh, as a filtering process, a match, you know, looking for that needle in a haystack. Yeah. Um, and and I've I've shared this with in, in certain clients where this this is is clearly an issue about how they are, are looking for people or trying to connect with people and to filter to, to accelerate that. In other words, just say like, hey, do are you a potential match? And having some one or two questions where you can quickly identify whether someone is potentially a match rather right. than go through this extended persuasion only for them to drop off at the end. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's getting that balance, right? Isn't it between the who you should accelerate and who you should slow down in terms of conversation? Yeah. And the cool thing about digital is you can do both simultaneously. So let me, let me explain. So, um, you know, if you think about like interest, involvement, investment, like those three kind of like tiers, investments when they give money, interest is when they're kind of like, oh, this sounds interesting. And then involvement when yeah. they kind of like maybe raise their hand, uh-huh. right? Right. So with digital, you can do that, right? So you can kind of create layered calls to action. So uh, let me give you an example. Somebody is scrolling through their Facebook newsfeed and they come across this ad for um, the National Breast Cancer uh, uh, Center and they've got National Breast Cancer Foundation and they've got it's this free ebook, what every woman needs to know about breast health, right? Now, if I'm the ideal kind of like audience for something like that, that might, you know, kind of pique my interest. I click on it. I go to the landing page. I request the ebook. I give them my name and my tele or my, my contact information, my, my email address, right? Uh-huh. And then immediately after I fill that out, then they're presented with what we call the instant donation page. Hey, thank you so much. Your ebook will be sent to you shortly. But while I have you, do you know that every year, blah, 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 you know what I mean? Like, but you can help make a difference with your gift today. And so it is a filtering criteria because we know the quality of the leads that come in will have a certain instant donation conversion rate. And if that's yeah. really, really low, then probably the source of names that I'm acquiring is, is not great, right? But, right. you know, let's say that 5%, 10% of people give an instant gift. That means 90% of people didn't give a gift, but I've got email addresses for all those people. That's when those people can get, then go into my email welcome series and they can begin Long-term this journey of learning more about the organization and be presented with opportunities to give down the road. So that's the beautiful thing about digital is content marketing and kind of daisy chaining these calls to action together. Right. Okay. Um, and and while you're does this let me get throw this is sort of a rhetorical question, but going to this idea of people give to people and this this question, you're making sure the email comes from a person uh, and not necessarily the, 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 the better known leader, perhaps. Uh, what does that say about brand and brand value for nonprofits? Um, well, it's certainly not, um, it's maybe not important as we think it is in terms of influence decision. We've run unbranded campaigns and sometimes we've found better results by just focusing on the core issues and, you know, like the, uh, maybe the content offer itself before actually presenting the brand. So there's different ways where you can kind of like present the brand at more strategic times. I wouldn't say that it's not important at all because, right. you know, with organizations that do have very high brand familiarity and affinity, obviously this makes all this stuff a lot easier, but still, right. if, even if it's a well-known brand, if I know I have somebody that I can actually like, you know, link myself to as a, as a human, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel more connected to that brand. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, well, as listening, here's what, listening to you speak, I think what was going through my mind is that it's not that brand is 
is less or more important. It's just about when in the conversation, the journey, it's most effectively introduced. That's correct. That's right. That's right. Right. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, what, a, um, what a thrilling ride through digital marketing we've had these last 45 minutes. Yeah, this is fun. I could do this uh, for a couple hours, but I, I, I know that yeah. <laughs> your audience might not okay. like that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, you know, just, it's just it's level detail. Right? If it's interesting, we'll, they'll carry on. So um, let's uh, just remind folks uh, a, a bit about uh, Next After and where they can find things online um, and, uh, and, and then where they can get in touch with you, Tim, if they want to. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything is on our website, nextafter.com. Um, and you can get to the Next After Institute with all of our training programs are there. Also, if you would like to really kind of geek out and spend, you know, two days just having a lot of fun, we are doing our conference this year back in person. It's not till September. So I'm hoping everybody is, you know, inoculated by then. But uh, we, uh, it's, it's going to be in Austin, Texas, September 23 to 24, I believe. But you can find out all the information. You can view all the, the past speakers and the whole lineup at niosummit.com, neosummit.com. niosummit.com. Yeah. And is yeah. there a, will there be a virtual um, element to it? Uh, we usually do. Yeah, we'll, we'll usually do some sort of like live stream version. Um, but the, I, I'm just telling you, like, the, the in-person is, like, way better. I mean, like, we oh, – uh, I mean, I think two years ago we were in um, – we were in De- in Denver. We over- we took over the Ellie Cockins Opera House and turned it into like the greatest showman um, like circus tent, and it was like amazing. We had like acrobats hanging from the ceiling. They're also like licensed mixologists, so they like mix up drinks for folks. I mean, it was it was a great, great, great time. So we it's lots of pageantry. Yeah. Chocolate River. Our, our our theme this year is is Willy Wonka. So there'll be a chocolate river, oh, and right. it'll be amazing. Right. Okay. I'll come be Mike TV and shoot up the place. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, I could geek out on Roll Doll as well, so I won't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so thank you so much, Tim. This has been Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast number 37 uh, with uh, Tim Kachuriak from uh, nextafter.com. And uh, we've had a fantastic uh, ride through digital marketing, uh, lots of great takeaways. Uh, and uh, if you um, enjoyed this uh, replay, please share the link uh, and uh, let us know what you think. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast. My guest today was Tim Kachuriak, who you can find along with some dynamite free training at nextafter.com. This podcast has been expertly produced by Glenn Munoz at PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Go to podproaudio.com. You can join future conversations live by visiting nonprofitproblemsolver.com. Connect with Kev on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. For more information, visit kevkayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results.